Good afternoon, Ignite Church. And good afternoon to everyone that is joining us online. I appreciate every one of you that have come out um, from your different schools, houses, different places to be part of this service in person today. I appreciate every one of you. Thank you for coming. I trust the Holy Spirit that has brought you here. He has something here for you. He's going to bless you today in Jesus' name. I thought I had an amen there. That's right, that's right. Amen. It's actually okay to speak loud in church. Do you know that? Okay, so it's okay to say amen in church, all right? Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you. All right? So we're going to walk through the Word of God. Um, we've spoken about this last week. I want to talk about favor. We said we're talking, doing a series about succeeding as a Christian. And there were two important things I spoke about last week. You know, acquiring... Um, skills that are marketable marketable skills that's the key word marketable marketable skills is the first thing that enable you and i to succeed in life we need to have marketable skills and we're glad that the ignite church has put together this whole month series of programs that are equipping us in our careers last week last sunday was fantastic wasn't it come on was it fantastic yeah at the career seminar last week sunday which we had after the Ignite Church service, the different panels, very informative, very powerful. The feedback has been very, very good. Of course, we're continuing today. There is another segment happening today. And of course, next week Sunday, another segment. And the following Sunday, another segment again. So this whole month, that's what we're doing. So on one side, we're trying to acquire marketable skills. Then the second thing I spoke about is appreciating the value of favor. Not just being aware that there is favor, but appreciating the value of it. Awareness of it doesn't make it work. It is the appreciation of the value that makes it flow to you and I. All right? So I want to talk today about this favor. Is that all right, church? Come on. Is that all right, church? All right. So we're going to do that. Father, we thank you and we honor you. And we give you praise. We thank you for your word. Please, Lord, minister your word to us today in Jesus' name. All right. Exodus chapter 3, verse 21 says, and I will give these people a favor. Can you um, please, um, the media team, um, can you put the PowerPoint on the screen here for me so I can see it here on the screen like we did in the first, in the HOP service place. I appreciate that. Thank you. If you can make that connection, that would be awesome. All right? I'll give these people a favor inside of this. And when they go, they will not go empty-handed. That is the first thing about favor. God said, you are going to be released, speaking to the children of Israel, that they are going to be rescued from, delivered from the children, of, from, the, from the Egyptians. They've been in slavery for, at this point, 430 years. That's a long time. But God said, when you leave, you will not leave empty-handed. What's the meaning of that? That means favor, as defined in Scripture, according to Scripture, one of the definitions of favor is the force that God puts upon your life that does not permit you to be disappointed. Empty-handed means disappointed. It means you are expecting something, but you came back with nothing. You were expecting something, but you came back with nothing. But God said, if favor is at work, if you are expecting something, you will get something. You will not come back empty-handed. And I'm praying for somebody here, you will not be disappointed. Amen. Your expectations will not be cut off. Amen. Okay, that's the first definition. Second one I wanted to hold on to, according to the scripture, is in Psalm 44, verse 3. It says, For they did not gain possession of the land by their sword, nor did their own arm save them. But it was the right hand, your arm, the light of a countenance, because you favored them. Favor is what also, number two, allows us to possess the land. Now, I know most of you here came into this country, most of you, to school. Some of you are still in school. To school. Some of you were born here which is awesome. Some of you, most of you came here to school to have your tertiary, post-secondary education. Fantastic. But you, know, you see, to possess any land, the Bible is telling us that you will need favor. In other words, to matter in a country, to be significant, basically, to be significant. You know, we're talking about in the Ignite Church, we're talking about global leaders. To live a life of significance, to be significant, you need the favor of God. Talent has its place. Hard work has its place. Diligence has its place. Okay? Understanding, having the wisdom 
to network, to have relationships as his place. But I tell you this, favor also has its place. If favor was not important in this concept, God will not write this there. God will not write this there. Favor is needed to possess the land. I pray for you one more time. You will not lack favor in your life. You will not lack favor in your life. I've seen, um, I've not definitely, I've not even scratched, I've not reached dimensions of favor that are still available to me Okay, I've not definitely even started exhausting, reaching the peak of it. But I've definitely, I know I've been a recipient of the favor of God. What God has done in my life, I know there are many ways people can look at it and start giving explanations to it. There, of course, there is hard work there by the grace of God. There is skill there by the grace of God. There is knowledge there by the grace of God. All of these things are elements, but if you ask me to point to one key thing that has been very, very instrumental to God doing what he's done in my life, I will tell you, is the favor of God. Favor of God. So I want to talk to you a bit more about this favor today. Is that all right? You don't seem interested. Is that all right? All right. Let me change my PowerPoint to seven ways to find the man or the woman you desire. <laughs> all right. So the favor of God, you have to understand first thing, is that it is in dimensions. All right? First dimension of the favor of God is that it's a gift. It's a free gift that comes at salvation. The second dimension is that this favor is a reward. So there's a dimension of the favor of God that's a gift that God bestows on you at salvation. That particular dimension is what allows God to forgive you and I our sins. It's what allows him to say his doors are open for you and I to have a relationship with him. If we don't have favor with God, we can't have a relationship with him. This favor is what is captured in the New Testament with the word grace. So the Bible says, for by grace we are saved. All right? Not of yourself. Not of works, let anybody should boast. It's by grace we are saved through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace we are saved through faith. All right? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So that word grace in the New Testament carries, okay, is an, is, is a, it's an umbrella word as part of a dimension of that grace is favor. So it's because you and I found favor with God that we're saved. That's the one that is a free gift. But I tell you this, the favor that moves us forward in our chosen field is not a free gift. It's a reward for an action or for a series of actions. Is it clear? Come on, church. Is it clear? Okay. All right. So how do I position myself for this dimension of favor? That's the dimension that is a reward. Okay? How do I position myself for that? It is by committing yourself to the covenant practice of Scripture. Please, if you're writing, write it down. Because many people just pray for favor. Oh, God, give me favor. I know people that pray for favor, fasting for favor, and all of that. And it's great. There's a dimension for that. No, no doubt about that. But, you see, I have also come to understand that if you don't understand what the requirement is, okay, and you're trying to fulfill a requirement you don't know, you're just guessing. And many people in Christianity are guessing, and this is very frustrating to them. What happens for you and I to walk in dimensions of favor that is in increasing, okay, as we take one step after the other in our pursuit of our dreams in life, we must have, we must commit ourselves to the covenant practice of Scripture. So the question then is, what is the covenant practice of Scripture? The covenant practice of Scripture is the act you and I take to obey. Somebody say obey. obey. Yeah. One more time, please say obey. obey. That's right. Obedience. Obey the instructions of Scripture as revealed in Scripture. Obedience to Scripture. So now, so when I look at my Bible, and I see I'm prompted in the Bible, all right, to take a particular action. For example, let's, let's just look at a practical example. For example, Jesus Christ was teaching in a place. He says, uh, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to 24, Mark 11, 22 to 24, he says, have faith in God, verse 22. Verse 23, whosoever, that means anybody, will say to this mountain, be removed from here, today, all right, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he say, he shall have whatsoever 
he says. That's a beautiful promise, isn't it? Okay. Now, verse 24. Whenever you stand praying, whatever you desire and you pray about, believe you receive, then you will have. Is that not getting better? Fantastic promise. Fantastic promise. But then verse 25. Verse 25 is condition. Come on. Whenever you also stand, pray. If you have anything against anyone, come on now. What should you do? Forgive him. That your father, who is in heaven, may also forgive you your trespasses. Keep going, please. Keep going. If you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your... He calls it, he calls unforgiveness trespassing. He calls unforgiveness trespassing. That means that you are personal non grata before God. You are trespassing in his presence. So the idea and concept of you standing before God and even praying, God is not hearing because you're a trespasser. The very fact that you have not forgiven somebody that offended you, God says you are a trespasser. And what do we do? You guys are all very smart. What do we do to trespassers? If you find somebody trespassing on your property, what do you do? You call the police? No, no, no. Tell me. Tell me. I want to hear actually. Okay, I'm talking of... Okay, let me, let me make the question more specific. In Canada here, when somebody trespasses your property, what do you do? Because it's a different ballgame in another country. Okay? So in Canada here, what do you do? Call the police. And what, would the poli- what, do, what are you calling the police? What's the intention? To take them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get this man out of my place. He's trespassing. He doesn't, he's not supposed to be here. He's not supposed to be here. And you know, that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling us that. So now, now, somebody says, well, I don't really believe that. I just don't want to. Then if you don't really believe that, what happens is then, because you're basically, you're negotiating with the instructions of Scripture instead of you obeying the instruction of Scripture. And the Bible is not a book that is open to your negotiation or my negotiation. I'm sorry, but that is just the way it is. All right? We have to accept it as the infallible word of God. So if the Bible is saying that, and God, there's no instruction that God is giving us that is for the primary benefit of God. Everything God tells us is because God created us. He knows human nature. He knows what is best for us. It was Nelson Mandela that said. Nelson Mandela. He said, unforgiveness is like a man drinking poison and expecting his neighbor to die or his enemy to die. You are the one drinking the poison and you're expecting the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness is like. So when God says, forgive the person, I've learned this over the years, the unforgiveness is not for the benefit of the person you're forgiving. It's for your own benefit. Is it clear? So obeying the instructions of Scripture, now when you do that, you are, every time you obey the instruction of Scripture, you are moving yourself closer to the manifestation of favor in your life. You are increasing the dimensions of favor in your life that is a reward. Quick question then. Somebody might ask, what is the point of obeying God when God will forgive me anyway if I don't obey him? After all, God is merciful and gracious and I can always go to God to forgive me. That is true. Do you know that is true? That's actually true. God will forgive you. The only challenge is this. His principles will not. You see, in relating with God, please give me your ear. I'm sharing things with you that it took me a long time to understand. In relating with God, there are dimensions. There is the person, person, person of God. There are the principles of God. Okay? And of course, there is the power of God. The person of God, the person of Christ is the one that saves us. Anytime you offend Christ as a person, as a person, he will always forgive you. But the principles that he has set in motion that you break, the consequences of those principles will still take effect. I don't know if you're able to distinguish between the two. Let's put it this way. I give you um, Gori, I say, you know, I, I love Gori. Gori is my son. Here is a thousand dollars, Gori. You go, uh, keep this thousand dollars for me. Keep. But Gori being with who he is, and I'm picking him because he looks, he has that persona. I come back and say, hey, hi, Gori. He says, oh, you're welcome back. Gori, 
um, please, the $1,000 I gave you. He said, oh, uh, <clears throat> what happened was that uh, he gives me one long story. He says, I'm, I just want to let you know, I'm so sorry. Now, he's taking my money, right, my person. Guess what? Because I'm good, I said, Gori, I'm forgiving you. We're all happy, right? Now, but what if that, so that's the first scenario. You like that scenario. But how about if I want to buy Christmas gift for Dory, something very important in his life, and I'm saving the money, but I'm keeping the money in his hand. Then Gori comes to me and says, he spent the money, forgive me. I said, oh, yeah, I'm forgiving you. But that still reduced his own money. That's what happens. When we break the principles of God, when we break his written principles, he as the person forgives us, which means if we ask for forgiveness, ultimately we will get to heaven. But here on earth, we will be brutalized. Let me show you a scripture. It's not on my slide. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Please pay attention and follow this. It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that person's slave. Come on, keep going. Whom you obey. Example, if it's sin, it leads to death. If it's obedience of the scripture, it leads to righteousness. But whomsoever you present yourself to obey, you become the slave of that person. So if I present myself to obey the scriptures, I become, I, I'm submitting to God. If I present my, if I disobey the scripture, which means I'm presenting myself to obey the impulses of sin in me, I become a slave of that person. That is a principle of God. God forgives me, but I'm enslaved to the dis disobedience I've actually taken. So, I know God doesn't like this, but you know what? I want to, I want to just snort cocaine. Or I want to take crack cocaine. So I'm taking it, I'm taking it. Oh God, forgive me, forgive me. But you know what? It's going to ravage my body. Are you following me? Come on, people, are you following me? It ravages my body. Has God forgiven me? He's forgiving me, but my body has not forgiven me because my body will be craving for it. Then I become an addict. That's what happens. Don't, if in all of your Christian work, for you to have a balanced Christian work, don't forget Romans 6, 16. Don't forget it. All right, let's go back to this. Anyway. So while God is obligated to always keep his word, all right, he shows mercy at his discretion, and to obey is better than sacrifice. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says that. Let's move on quickly. There is no aspect of the grace or the mercy of God, all right, that relieves you and I of the obligation to, to obedience. So we can't say God is merciful, that means I'm free not to do this. No. The mercy of God, there's no part of the mercy of God or the grace of God that removes our obligation to obey him. Alright? As a matter of fact, the mercy and the grace of God, the grace of God, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, has appeared to all men, and verse 12, put it on the screen there, please. The grace of God brings salvation as appeared to all men. What does this grace come to do? Verse 12, teaching us, come on now, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly loss, that we should soberly and righteously. So the grace is come not to free us to do anything we want to do, but to teach us to deny ungodliness, to teach us to deny ungodliness, and to, of course, to equip us and empower us to resist it. Can I hear an amen, please? All right. So the grace of God is not a license to live irresponsibly. It is an empowerment to responsibly obey scriptures. Okay. Quick question. What is the master key then to, to divine favor? You want to walk in favor? Do you want to walk in favor in your life? Yes. yes. I want to walk in more. I've seen favor, but I want to walk in more dimensions in favor of this favor. You know, I've really, I'm telling you, I've really, really seen favor. I mean, serious, serious level of favor. Things that for some people, it's a very serious prayer point. I'll give you one example. One time I was in the U.S. I was asked to preach in a church. So I preached on a Friday, I think. Then I preached on Saturday. Regular thing that I'll preach in the house of praise, like I'm preaching here now, you're staring at me, and you can't wait for me to get off the stage. 
that kind of thing. I preached, you know, and I finished preaching. The pastor I was in the pastor's office. So the pastor said, oh, well, Pastor Wale, you know, thank you for coming and all that. So we just sat down there fellowshipping, just having fun, you know, taking some tea. He said, Pastor Wale, you know, just you would like some tea. So uh, they give me some tea. So I was just taking some tea. Then somebody walked up, walked into the office and said, sir, there's a man waiting outside. He said he would like to see you. So here I am, I've preached, I'm a bit tired, uh, you know, and they said there's somebody to see me. So I said, okay, let me stand up. The pastor said, no, pastor, you're tired. Just sit down um, when we're going. So I told the man, I said, can you tell him that when I'm, I'm still with the pastor, when I'm done, I will. He said, no, the man said he will wait. So now, what do you think? You think the man has some challenge, right? Come on, speak to me. Come on, reasonably. Yeah, the man has a challenge that definitely cannot wait for him to go home. He can't wait that he will go home. He wants to just want me perhaps to pray, minister to him or something. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking this man has a very serious challenge. That Wow, the man is going to wait. He doesn't even know how when I'm going to finish with the pastor. And of course, it happens that the pastor has a gift of talking. So he spoke and spoke and spoke. And we were there for what I would probably say, I don't know, maybe two and a half hours or so two hours, this man waited. So I, I, at this time, I'm thinking to myself, of course, the man is exhausted. He's gone home. Perhaps he will come on Sunday morning. He will see me. I can pray for him before the service. So only for me to come out of the pastor's office with the pastor. Wow! The man is still there. Immediately, I saw the, I saw the said, oh, pastor, this is... I walk up to him straight away. I said, oh, sorry. He said, no, 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 no. So I'm thinking now that can we just step aside to one place so he can tell me what it is. I, I empathize with him. And exercise my faith within. So the pastor said, Yeah, Pastor, you've really been a blessing to me. And so I said, All right, fair, fair enough. I'm thinking now this man is about to tell me the big issue so that I can pray for him. Then the man says, Pastor, I just, all I just want to do is be a blessing to you. So at this point, I'm thinking, Okay, have you waited all this long? Then the man brings out an envelope and gives me the envelope. So I'm thinking to myself, Okay, fine, thank you so much. I really appreciate it and all of that. Then the man walks away. I get into the car. They take me to my hotel room. I open the envelope. It's more than my annual salary. So I'm thinking to myself, what will make a human being wait this long to give you something that's beyond your annual salary? Then that's all he wanted to do. Talk about fever. <laughs> I get that and I'm saying to myself, what on earth is this? I was in Canada here. I was invited. A church, a church said they were going to buy a building. They were doing... Um, and uh, um, so the church said they wanted to do a luncheon or something, some luncheon, some dinner, fundraising stuff. Anyway, they invited me. So I, I called a few of my children, sons, daughters. I said, let's go there and go and be a blessing to them. So when they went to church to be a blessing to them, and the pastor of the church was talking, and he was mentioning some amount of money, and he mentioned a particular amount of money, and he said, you know, if anybody can give this amount of money, and the amount of money was quite substantial. And he said, you know, if this person can, if anybody can do this and so on and so forth. And the pastor was laboring, sweating, and struggling under the weight of that amount of money. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth is this? Why is this so difficult? So the man went on and on and on. Anyway, we left the place, we gave what we gave, and I came back to church. I, it was a Saturday, so I drove back, because we all left from church, so we all drove back to church, and I thanked them, because they all gave. I told them to all give to the project. We all give, and I said, thank you so much, everyone. Really appreciate your commitment to the kingdom of God. Then I opened my office. As I opened my office, there was an envelope waiting for me there. I stood down, picked the envelope, opened the envelope. It was the exact same amount of money that the pastor was laboring, asking somebody to give. So I opened it. So I told my family when I got home. I said, this life is strange, you. Somebody is laboring, sweating, talking, talking. Sweating, sweating, sweating for something. And I come into my office and anonymously somebody else has put it there. I said, on the Saturday. I said, isn't this strange? You see, favor of God, let me tell you this. Favor of God is what eradicates the original curse that God placed on the earth for man. That God put it in place. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 17 to 19. Give me to me in the NLT. NLT. And to the man, he said, keep going then. Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, which fruit I commanded you not to eat. So he's speaking to Adam here. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life will struggle to scratch. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow tons and tissues for you. 
though you will eat of his grains. Keep going, please. Uh-huh. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat. You see, it is the favor of God that counteracts this, that you won't have to struggle. Struggle is not the same thing as working hard. You work hard, you are diligent, but not struggle. Do you understand what I'm saying? You work hard, you're diligent, but you don't struggle. Somebody say no struggles. Yeah, you don't struggle. You don't struggle. Favor is what makes, makes sure that you don't struggle. I've seen favor. I've seen, I mean, these are just ones I, I'm, I feel free to share with you. There are a lot of different dimensions in spiritual dimensions, in other dimensions that is just incredible that I've seen. Okay? Now, what is the answer? So how can we work on this favor? This is the answer. Love God passionately. The degree to which we love God is the degree to which God can entrust us with the force of favor. Uh, the dimension of favor you and I will walk in can never go, never go beyond our love for God. It will never go beyond that. So once you cap your love for God at a level that you or me, if I cap my love for God at a level that I deem to be reasonable, once I cap that love for God, automatically what I'm also doing is that I'm capping whatever dimension of favor that is still available to me that can reach me. I've already put a limit on it. So if I remove the limit on my passionate love for God, and I'm saying to myself, I will love God passionately and endlessly, I've removed the limit on the dimensions of favor God can pour in my life. Does this make sense to us? So love, loving God passionately. Now, let's see the scripture to confirm that. In Matthew 22, verse 34 to 38, the Pharisees came to Jesus and asked him the question, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, with everything you have in you. Love God. Your heart, your soul. Your soul means your emotions, your mind, your imagination, your will, you love him, okay, with all your strength. This is the first and the great commandment. And of course, it tells us the second one is like it. Then in verse 40 of Matthew 22, it tells us that all of the laws and the prophets, they hang on this commandment. In other words, every other promise you see in the Bible hangs on this commandment. In other words, the fulfillment of it is dependent on this commandment, that you and I love God passionately. Somebody say, love God. There's a difference, however, between the benefits we derive or we get because God loves us and the benefits we get because we love God. And sometimes people confuse the two. I love God. God loves me. Sometimes we equate the two and say it's the same. Whether I love God or God loves me is the same. It's not the same. So and we have to understand that there are benefits in scripture that is dependent on the fact that we love God and there are things that God has done for all because he, he loves us. The love of God for us never changes. It's the same at all times. It never increases, it never decreases. But our love to God increases and decreases. It can change. What is the difference between God's love for man and man's love for God? Quickly, God's love is a fact. Man's love is an act of a decision. Why God's love is a fact of redemption. If I'm running too fast, it's because I'm looking at the time they give me here. God's love for man, what has it done for us? It's provided the sacrifice for our sin. It's permitted us to have a relationship with God. It positions us to live a meaningful life. These are all the things that the love of God has done for us. Sacrifice for our sins. That's why we get forgiveness. Permits a relationship with God. Gives us access to God to have a relationship. Positions you and I to live a meaningful life. These are the things the love of God, God's love for us, has done for us. Somebody say amen. amen. These are all the things the love of God has done for us. The sacrifice for our sins. So when I, it's not based on what I, what, based on what I do or don't do. Because I'm a pastor or not a pastor, it's not what qualifies me for forgiveness. What qualifies me for forgiveness of God Forgiveness is because Christ died for me, shed his blood for me. Does this make sense to you? It is, 
when I approach God, what gives me confidence when I go before God is not because, hi God, this is Pastor Wale. Pastor Wale is coming to you now. Now here I come now. You know I've been pastoring for a long time and I've been working hard and you know fasting for this number of days so you need to hear me. I can come into your presence. That's not what gives me a guarantee that I can go into God's presence. What gives me a guarantee according to Hebrews chapter 9 verse chapter 10 verse 19 is because of the blood of Christ this, which signifies the sacrifice of Christ. Are you still with me? Come on, at the back there, are you still with me? All right. So that's what allows me to come into his presence. Then, of course, to permit you and me to have a meaningful life it is this love of God because it's based on the love he has for me that tells me that his plans for me are good, not of evil, to bring me to an expected end. Okay. Now, these are some of the scriptures of everything I've said now. All right? Let me go to Your love for God and my love for God, what are the benefits? Let's look at two of them, then we close. The first one is this. And, you know, when I started studying this, I must, I must, I must um, admit this. When I started studying this, it really shocked me. Because I found out that, oh my God, a lot of the scriptures in the Bible that have been claiming as promises, speaking, confessing, declaring, some of these scriptures were conditional on, on, the love of, on my love for God. Not God's love for me, but my love for God. So, I, it was a real shock to me. So, really, if I want to see these things uh, being fulfilled, uh, obviously I'll pray, but I need to fulfill the condition. Okay? And this is one of the scriptures. Romans 8.28 All things work together for good. How many of us are familiar with this scripture? Yeah. All things work together for good. And sometimes somebody loses their job and we say, don't worry, be encouraged, my sister. All things work together for good. It's true. But we are not quoting the old scripture. And there's nothing as dangerous as an incomplete truth. It's true, but it's not complete. All things, you know, <laughs> all things work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's it. So, for this scripture to be triggered, triggered means to be activated to manifest in your life, you have to check what is the dimension of your love for God. If you're not somebody that loves God, you can pray it, people can pray it for you, it's not going to work because the scriptures cannot be broken. Come on, are you still with me now? Come on, is it making sense to you? All things work together. Now, when the way all things work together for good is this thing I call favor. Whereby when you do something and seemingly it looks like it wasn't good or it looks like something not good had happened to you, but, you know, I have to be careful here. But you see, when we moved into this building, 1st of March, 2020, we moved into this building, we opened the building, Reverend Sam Adeyemi came, and cut the tape, and we opened on Sunday, 1st of March, 2020. 8th of March, 2020, I stood here, and I preached my first sermon in this building. And that was it. The building, the country, the province was shut down on the 13th of March, 2020. Friday, 13th of March, 2020, there was an announcement, and it was shut down. Now, on the surface, that's bad. You've just moved to a new building, the overhead, many of you accountants, uh, the overhead has increased or you did something to do with business. Our expenses have gone out. Now, give you the, just to give you a bit of context, the building we were using before was 13, 13, 13,000 square feet. What we have here, totality is 75,000 square feet. That's the, uh, one of five times, right? Mathematician. I didn't point to you, I pointed to him. <laughs> just joking, just joking, son. You know, you know, that's more than five times. The overhead, everything, all the expenses had gone up, and now there's no church. Now, seemingly that's bad. But when favor of God is at work, because you love God, all things work together for good. This church grew more during the pandemic than before the pandemic. Suddenly, during the pandemic, there are a lot of people in House of Praise today that got to know House of Praise during the pandemic. 
and they joined the church during the pandemic. The church grew seriously. The finances grew by double digits. It was incredible. I, in the first year of the pandemic, oh yes, in the pandemic, when, in the pandemic when people were not going back to work anymore, there was a lot of uncertainty. Nobody knew when it was going to be over. This church's income increased by over a million dollars in the pandemic. In the pandemic, when nobody was coming to church. You see, all things work together. All things work together. There are many people today that are committed to the church, and when you ask them, workers in the church, you ask them, when, when, how did you, when did you come join the church? Oh, during the pandemic. Oh, I heard about it during the pandemic. During the pandemic. During the pandemic. Why? Because all things work together. I'm praying for somebody here today that is able to receive it. Even what people think is bad concerning your life, God will make every one of them work together for your good in Jesus' name. You are going to share a sweet testimony at the end of this journey. The person I'm speaking to is not ashamed to say amen. You are going to share a powerful testimony at the end of the story. No matter what has happened to you today, that people are looking at you and some of them are snaring. Oh my God. Some of them are snaring at you. Some of them are laughing at you. Some of them are making jests. Some of them are speaking behind you. My God. Some of them are, you know, they say no matter something's behind you. God will turn everything around in your favor. Yeah. When that happened and the place was shut down, there was a lot of whispers. Some people were saying, you will see what will happen to the church. The church will never succeed. The church will not, will not be able to survive this. This church will not survive this. This man, God knows what has happened to his head. He went to pick up this building. He's too ambitious and so on and so forth. Some people felt that was the end of the church. But you see, when favor is at work, it can never be your end. It's only a bend. Never your end. It's only a bend. And because the enemy, can, when you look at a bend, you see it looks like an end because the enemy cannot see beyond that. That's why the Bible says, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So the enemy is looking at it and saying, aha, that's it. Nobody ever goes to the lion's den and comes out. And let me look at it and say, nobody ever goes to the fiery furnace and comes down. That was big. Somebody saying, well, you want to go and tell Daniel and kiss him goodbye because tonight is the night he's going to the lion's den. You're never going to see your Daniel again. People were already making fun. But how about Daniel coming out of the lion's den? How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming out of the fiery furnace? Do you know that when Moses was born, they were killing every son that was born in Israel? And the Bible says the mother of Moses, at three months, looked at Moses and said, kiss his son. Put an Israeli, according to the Israeli teachings uh, in Judaism, put the Israeli cloth on the basket and put him on the river Nile. Now, let me say this to you. To stand by the side of the river Nile alone is risky. It's a place where the crocodiles, things can jump out of the water. Alligators, all manner of things are there. Apart from the fact that the river Nile itself was, had spiritual significance, the mother of Moses left a three-month-old boy there. No plan for feeding, no plan for baiting, no plan for food, no plan to change his nappies, nothing. Left him there. What are the chances in the world that the daughter of Pharaoh, come on, will show up just at the one moment, and the moment he showed up, the first thing she saw was the basket. And said, and she said, she knew. She said, this is one of the sons of the Hebrews. Pick the basket. And they looked at it, and that, just at that moment, what should have inspired her to pass a judgment and tell them to kill Moses, actually inspired her to say, oh my God, this is a lovely baby. How do you embrace your enemy? And she embraced him and said, looking around and, and said to her servants, I wonder if we could get somebody to look after him for us. And suddenly there was Miriam there, the senior sister of Moses. I said, excuse me, hello, 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 ma'am. You know, and curtsy and said, you know, I can help you. I can get you a nanny. You can? Yeah. She said, all right. And called somebody and said, you follow her to the nanny. Let the nanny know, this is my own son now. Because I drew him out of the water, his name shall be called Moses. Moses' name was not given by Moses' mother. It was by the daughter of Pharaoh. She will be called, he will become my son. So when he's a bit of, of age, I'm taking him, he's going back to the palace with me. And here, the neighbors of Moses' mother were going to Moses' mother, knocking on the door and saying, sorry, you know, our own son died too. 
it's all right. Sorry, don't cry anymore. It's okay, it's okay, stop crying. And some of them were going and saying, sorry, I couldn't come early. I went to buy a tissue for you to clean your eyes. And I just while they got there, they saw the soldiers coming. And they're saying, ah, oh, sorry, they're coming. They're bringing the carcass of your son. And only for them to get there, instead of delivering the dead Moses, they brought the life Moses. They brought the life Moses. And Moses is still alive. And the neighbors that did not come on time for what they thought was a funeral service showed up wearing black, 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 only to realize that it was not a funeral service, it was a celebration service. Yeah. <laughs> I'm praying for somebody here today that people that have been gathering around the vultures that are circling around your life thinking they're going to have bad news, they will be surprised because God is turning it around in your favor. Yeah. What I've just said to you right now is what happened to this church. When the people that thought that they would come and they would come and see the carcass of 25 people left in the church, 20 people left in the church, when they came, they couldn't find a place to sit. No place to park their car. They had to park far away and trek into the church. This church today is far larger than it has ever been in the history of this church. Ever been in the history of this church. <laughs> I've just said this publicly, but I want to say it to you here. Uh, we're I'm already thinking of two services now. In this church now. This is the same church that they thought what was going to be left was going to be the carcass. I'm praying the same dimension of favor on somebody here. Whatever they thought was going to be the carcass of your relationships or the carcass of your career or the carcass of your academic pursuit because of maybe what you did one course or you're struggling with all the particular course right now. In the name of Jesus. The God that turns the captivity of Zion and it looks like we were dreaming. May that God act on your behalf today in Jesus' name. The God that stepped in for Moses at the river Nile and saved him in the name of Jesus. Oh, what good part of his story I didn't tell you was that actually the mother of Moses not only was given the custody of Moses to take care of Moses, she was paid. Read your Bible, Exodus chapter 2. She was actually paid. Now, how do you get payment? How? Talk about favor. How? My God. How do you get paid to look after your son that everybody thought was dead? And here is Moses' mother. She used to shop in a place that was not nice, a thrifty store. Now, hallelujah. Somebody's coming to the house and they find that wearing Gucci shoes. Praise God. <laughs> even, even, the, even the diapers of Moses was Louis Vuitton. Praise God. <laughs> How do you get to do that? Because the salary is coming straight from the account of the daughter of Pharaoh. Being wired in. And every time, just when people are greeting Moses, Moses, we don't even know what you're doing. Pam, alert. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Moses Muller just looked at and said, oh, oh, all right, this time around he came in euros. Last, last month he was in dollars. Praise God. You understand? The other time he was in British pounds. You understand? This was Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter. What the enemy thought was going to be your end. I've got news for somebody here. Stop crying. Don't weep anymore. Stop crying about it. Stop regretting. Stop being down. Stop explaining everything to anybody, everybody. You know the reason why I lost my job. You know the reason why it is. You know that relationship didn't work out. Stop. 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 Stop doing that. There's hope in your future. Yeah. I want to say to somebody here, because I know what I'm talking about and I believe in it completely. That's what God, you are in this church today. It's existing today because of that. I'm speaking over you. Kake makuzali bakuzeli before the second half of this year, before Canada Day, 1st of July, when you look back at all these challenges you've been through, even the people that left your life, can you put your hand on the keyboard for me, son? Even the people that have left your life, when you look back, you will say, I thank God they left. Because they left, see the possibilities God has brought me into. 
oh, I am here today to pray for somebody. This force of favor, it will work for you in Jesus' name. The force of favor that worked, that does not allow people to be go empty and dead. It doesn't allow people to be put to shame. When people are expecting you to be put to shame, people are expecting you to tell them that they've kicked out of the university. They're expecting you to say, I lost my job, I haven't found another one for a year. They're expecting you to say, I put a down payment down out there for a house, but I can't close. They're expecting you to say, I'm engaged, but we don't have a date now because somehow the mom says no. They're expecting you to say, I have the sickness in my body, the doctors don't even know what it is. They're expecting you to have bad news. Ah! Every expectation of bad news in your life. I stand today as one called by God. And I decree it be turned into a testimony for you. I decree it be turned into a testimony for you. Some years ago, True life story. And one day, I promised I'm going to share the full story. And the ones who will permit me to. I woke up in the morning. It was a regular morning. Took my breakfast. Regular breakfast that I normally take. Cereal. When I'm going out like that, jumped into my car, drove down to church. Walked usually, normal walk. There was nothing. Everything was normal. But I walked so hard on that day. I, it was a regular day. Normally, left work. Got home. Did not know that the enemy has brought the battle to my doorstep. And I got home, and the enemy struck. And when the enemy struck, my family was in a dark place. As in, because of me, my family was in a very dark place. On that particular fateful day, I'm telling you a true life story. It happened to me just a few years ago. On that particular fateful day, it looked like, I'm telling you, it, it's going to be very difficult for you to convince anybody that sees me that it was not over. It looked like it was over. Every available physical evidence showed that it was over. It looks like there was sorrow in my house. What is this? Where did this come from? What kind of thing is this? But the God that makes all things work together for good. Let me, let me just give you a little bit of a hint. Somebody that has not spoken to me for over 20 years, a man, not spoken to me for over 20 years, not spoken to me at all, now called me on FaceTime. Because the people that set things in motion, they want to find out if it has worked. He now called me on FaceTime, wants to FaceTime me. While I was in that dark tunnel, I know all things work together for good. That is where God gave me the scripture. You have a wonderful future with a happy end. I must let you know, at that time when that scripture came to me, everything around me showed a tragic future with a disastrous ending. But not with, not with God. The enemy was surprised that they would ever hear my voice again. I remember the first time I came to House of Praise, came back to House of Praise, I was standing there and they gave me the microphone and I spoke. The church went wild. I was wondering what's going on. Because the enemy, not the church now, but the enemy never thought. The church was just celebrating with me that they will ever hear that voice again. One, young, one of my young daughters spoke up to me and said, I didn't know how much I missed that voice. Friends, no matter where you are right now, you might feel like you're in a dark tunnel. God can turn everything around. It's not over until God says it's over. 
I'm going to continue next week. I'll, I'll speak with the leaders of Ignite Church so we can make an arrangement so I can continue this next week. But I'm here today to minister to somebody here. You've been through hard times. And you're looking at it right now. The evidence on the ground is showing that there is no way out. Let me say this to you quickly. That's a lie of the devil. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one that has the key in his hand. The devil doesn't have the key. And if God says yes, no devil can say no. And God has said yes to you for a wonderful future with a happy ending. The person I'm ministering to now by the Holy Spirit knows they're the one I'm talking to and they're not ashamed to say amen to what I'm saying. People around you right now might be gesturing, showing some body language, whispering, you know, some of them have been jealous of you in time past. Oh, come and ask me. They might be looking at you right now in the face you are in your life right now and say, you see, you see, this is what we've been saying. It's good for him or it's good for her. She ought to go through some stuff too. Good for her. But what they don't understand is that you're going through this now. God is revealing what is in their own heart to you. So you can know your true friends. As I stand there right now, I'm hearing in my heart, April 7th, I know the Holy Spirit's voice. And I'm hearing that before, for somebody here, somebody here, for somebody here, maybe the best thing is watching online, before the 7th of April, you're going to see a serious turnaround. For somebody, for somebody. I don't know why, I don't know, April 7th is a what? What day is that? I don't know why, why that day is coming to me. What, is it Friday? Friday, okay, it's a Friday. I don't know, but I know that word for somebody, and I would like to hear that person's testimony. Before April 7th, you are going to hear, a, you are going to see a serious turn around in your life. I don't know what it is, but something is going to shift in your favor. 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 There is something I'm hearing in my spirit that belongs to you, that you see stretching your hands towards. Sometimes it will look like you're close to it, but all of a sudden it looks like it's a mirage. You're no longer close to it. It looks like you're almost there, but ah, you're, you're not there again. Oh, I pray for somebody, and the person will know this. I'm praying for you now. Whatever you have been stretching your hand to get, you've not been able to get it. Your qualification has gone to one point, but you've still not been able to reach it. Somehow, in the name of Jesus, may the favor of God bridge the gap for you. Today, may the favor of God bridge the gap for you. May the favor of God bridge the gap for you. May the favor of God bridge the gap for you. May the favor of God bridge the gap for you. Somebody's here. You're carrying something in your body. It's a sickness. You can't even, you've not told many people. Some people are very close to you. They don't know anything about it. Because you see, you can't even tell them. You can't even tell them. Because if you tell them you're afraid, you might lose some of them. I remember the young lady that woke up to me. Some years ago, I will never forget. And she told me, she said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I said, no problem. She said, I have a health challenge. I said, all right. What is it about? She said, Pastor. Pastor, I said, yeah. He said, I went to the doctor. She just burst out crying. I said, what is it? She said, they said that my fallopian tubes did not develop very well. He has deformities. It's not that I'm not even ovulating. It's that the fallopian tube is gone. This is a young lady. I see a very young lady. I said, it's all right. Stop crying. Jesus said, weep not. Jesus is here. Laid my hands on her. Prayed for her. I didn't see her for a long time. Then suddenly I saw her again. This time she had smiles on her face. Hey, hey, hello. My young daughter, how are you? She said, I'm fine. She said, I went to the hospital because my mom, you know, we've been going to specialists. I'm going to the specialists. They ran a test. They were surprised. They were surprised. I said, come on, come on, come on. Tell me the story. They kept, come on, tell me, come on, go on, go on. And she told me an amazing story that I don't have time now to give you the whole details. They were surprised. God had performed the creative miracle. 
one of our one of our ministers, one of our ministers, you know, is in the US now. He himself and his precious wife, very committed to God, they love God passionately. She was pregnant. Went to the hospital here. And they ran all the tests, ran the tests, ran the tests, and they said the child is gonna have deformity. She said, well, Oh God, I didn't, this is not what I want. Lord, oh God. Then she welcomed, she came to church. At Lenwood Drive, I was speaking to her. And he said, Pastor, can I see you? I said, My husband, in, in a small little corner by the finance room, there's some of you that are familiar with that building, just in that corner. I just stood there. It was an, in the corner, it's like a corridor. We stood there. And we, they were telling me the story. I said, All right, it's okay, we're going to pray. And I said, well, you know, every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of Light in which there is no variation, no shadow of turning. I said, so when this child was put in you by God, it was the child was good and perfect for a fearfully and wonderful way, wonderfully made. This I know. And God said, when I formed you from the womb, so God does not form anything that is not perfect from the womb. I said, so based on this, whatever the imperfection is, God is still available to correct it. Simple like that. Put my hand on a womb, with the permission of the husband, write the impress of the husband, and boom, pray the simple prayer. The lady said it herself later on. She said she felt the prayer was too simple. So, ah, this, with all the things I told this man, this is the type of simple prayer I will pray. <laughs> she left. That child was born, completely perfect, and they now named the child Faith. <laughs> Incidentally, that child that didn't, you will say the child didn't know about it, Anywhere I am, once that child sees me, that child will run and come and jump and greet me. Somehow the child just, her spirit tells her that Jesus Christ delivered her through this vessel. I'm praying for somebody here today. Whatever they say is a deformity in your life that you can't even tell anybody. A disability. You can't even tell anybody. In the name of Jesus the Christ, that when he created you, originally he created you for perfection. Sin came to corrupt the imperfection for everybody watching online and you're here or you're here. Sin came to bring imperfection. Today, but redemption came to correct what sin brought about. I stand on the finished work of redemption of Christ today by the authority of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. I rebuke every disability in Jesus' name. I rebuke every disability in Jesus' name. I rebuke every disability in Jesus' name. I guess every deformity to die to the roots in Jesus name from this day I pray that when God created man originally he said it he said it was very good Genesis 131 I pray from this day that the original plan of God for your life in terms of your health in terms of your body that it be reset to that in Jesus name whatever is not working in your body whatever is wrong with your health I rebuke it now in Jesus name anybody under the top of my voice carrying any yoke be it a spiritual yoke anybody that you don't even know the battles you're facing the invisible forces you're fighting you're almost there but you're not there you're almost happy but you're not happy Things are working for other people, or it seems it's not working for you. What about invisible barrier? What about invisible force? You're fighting today. In the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I speak by the authority of the Christ, who's the head of principalities and powers, who conquered principalities and powers. I speak in his name today concerning you. Let every invisible barrier that is stopping you blocking your progress for everyone here and those watching online let the barriers be broken in Jesus name the person I'm praying for they know themselves and they're not ashamed to say amen may the barriers be destroyed in Jesus name may the barriers be destroyed in Jesus name I pray finally here for somebody here today you need assistance you need assistance you just need help. You see, you see, the way God described help to me one day is I looked outside of my house and I saw snow 
the snow, there was a snowstorm. The snow was a lot. This was when I was living in Milton. We were living in Milton some, some years ago now. And I came out of the house and I had to pack the snow. I packed the snow. And a thought came to my mind. But what about if your neighbor now comes and brings a snow clearing machine? And while you are still trying to shovel, the man is clearing it with a slow machine. How long do you, because that day, I was there for hours. How long do you think it's going to take you? That's what help does. It doesn't mean you're not doing something. You're also shoveling. <clears throat> ah. <clears throat> ah. You look up and say, ah, look at all I still have to do. My God. <clears throat> ah. By the time you look up again, ah, who cleared this place? Then you see somebody brought a snow machine and cleared it for you. That's what help does. You get help, automated help, mechanized help. But this time, it's spiritual help from the Holy Spirit. He sends his angels to help you, to put things in place for you. Opportunities other people are trying to create, God creates it and puts it in your path. In the name of Jesus Christ, may the help of God, oh, this one is for somebody that can really receive it. May God help you in Jesus' name. May God send you help in Jesus' name. May he send you help in Jesus' name. May he send you help in the name of Jesus Christ. What would take many people years? The doors, doors, now I'm talking. Doors, it would take many people years. They're knocking on, they're struggling for the door, hoping that this door will open. But Genesis chapter 41, verse 14, they knocked on the door and told Joseph, the king calleth thee, I pray for you. Opportunities of a lifetime. Opportunities of a lifetime. Opportunities of a lifetime. Destiny molding opportunities. Strategic opportunities that will lead to other opportunities. Today, receive help in that area. Receive help for that area. Receive the help in that area. In the name of God, in Isaiah 41 verse 10, that says, I will help you. Isaiah 41 verse 10, put it on the screen. Let me close with that. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Can you keep, can you keep going? Do the next verse. All those who are incensed against you, they shall be ashamed and disgraced. I pray for you one more time. Those waiting for you, to be put to shame. Receive the help that will turn your shame to double honor. Receive help that will turn shame to double honor for you. Receive help that will turn shame to double honor for you. One more time. Receive help that will turn shame to double honor for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Wherever you're standing, whether you're at home or you're standing here, just receive that. You can pray in spirit. If you want to pray in spirit, you can pray in understanding. Lord, I receive it. I receive, I receive all these declarations. Lord, I receive it. Let it be to me. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. Come and receive that. Let it be to me according to your word. Lord, I receive it. I take it. All these declarations, I receive it. I receive the help. I receive the favor. I receive the opportunities. I receive the turnaround. I receive the healings. I receive it. Oh, yes, Lord, I receive it. In the name of Jesus, I receive it. Oh, come on, receive it now. A few more seconds, receive it. Come on, church, ignite church, receive it. If you can pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit, but receive it. That's what Mary said. Mary said, let it be unto me according to your word. I receive it. Lord, I receive this word. I receive your help. I receive your favor in my life today. I receive your strength. I receive turn around. Oh, I receive the healing in my life today. Thank you, Lord. Now, somebody ought to lift those hands and thank him right now. If you really receive something, thank him right now. If you genuinely receive something, then genuinely thank him. Lord, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the help I've received. Thank you for the help I've received. I know, Lord, that word was for me. Let us by 7th of April, I know something powerful will have turned around in my favor. I just want to say I'm grateful, Lord. Oh, 
I lift my hands to say thank you. Is somebody here thanking him? Is somebody here thanking him? Oh, I need somebody here to thank him. A man here needs to open their mouth and say, thank you, Lord. There's a lady out there that needs to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory to your name. Blessed be your name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, thank him another 20 seconds. Thank him. Thank him, Lord. Just thank him. Just magnify his name. We just want to worship him for two minutes. Thank him. Oh, Glory to your name. Thank you, Lord. You have 30 seconds more. Thank him in your own words. Thank him in your own words. Thank him. Don't wait for his song. Thank him in your own words. Something has shifted in your favor. Thank him. Now, as we take this song, this is my worship, all of my worship. I'd like you to open your mouth and worship him and magnify his name. By the grace of God, I'll be here again next week Sunday by his grace, and we're going to continue this series. Come on, let's take that song.